الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك تبارك وجه ربك ذو الجلال والإكرام وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله القوي القادر المقتدر إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون لا راد لأمره والله غالب على أمره ولكن أكثر الناس لا يعلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وهادينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له رفعت الأقلام وجفت الصحف أما بعد Dear committed brothers and sisters in Islam in Iman يقول الله سبحانه وقوله الحق وقوله الفصل يا أيها الذين آمنوا استعينوا بالصبر والصلاة إن الله مع الصابرين Before I begin to explain the reference meanings of this ayah, this ayah is around the middle of Surah Al-Baqarah. Before I begin to explain the relevant reference meanings of this ayah, I would like to mention as a backdrop to it, that this week marks 39 years of a valiant effort that continues to live on and to grow. And I'm referring here obviously to the Islamic 
self-determination, success story. in the geographical area called Iran. Now with all of the details of those 39 years, whichever you have in your mind, whichever you can remember, I will proceed to explain some of the germane meanings of this one ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu ista'inu bil-sabri wa-salah inna allaha ma'as-sabirin Now, the approximate meaning in English goes like this. O you who are securely And in a trustworthy way, committed to Allah. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu. Not this run-of-the-mill, worn-out, irrelevant, O you who believe. That doesn't, that doesn't apply. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling on al-ladheena amanu. To begin with in this ayah, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu. He didn't say Ya ayyuhal nas. He didn't say Ya bani adam. He didn't say Ya ayyuhal insan. He said Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu. He's speaking to, and in the Quran, if you follow the word Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, you'll find that a major responsibility and duty follows those words ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu kutiba alaykum al-qital ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu kutiba alaykum al-siyam etc etc so here anyone who's listen any thinking muslim who's listening to these words should go on attention ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about al-ladheena amanu, he's speaking about a critical mass. He's not speaking about scattered individuals. He's speaking about a critical mass, something that has become very difficult for Muslims to achieve. Where in the world can you identify and point to Muslims behaving in a critical mass? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. Okay, we are alert now. We're paying attention to what's going to follow. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have to say after this opening Phrase, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu. He says, Ista'inu. Ista'inu is, means, ask, literally, that's what it means, ask for help. Ista'inu. When do you ask for help? Do you ask for help when you are comfortable? 
Do you ask for help when you are capable? Obviously, you ask for help when you're weak, when you're vulnerable, when you are overpowered. That's the moment in life, that's the time in life when you ask for help. Istainu. And we ask for help in every salah that we perform. We say, Iyaka na'bud wa iyaka nasta'een. Now, as a side remark, the meaning of Iyaka na'bud and Iyaka nasta'een is, you, only you, we conform to, and you, only you, do we ask for help. A couple of questions come to mind here. Number one, who is, when we say only you, do we, who is the we here? Remember, your individuality doesn't exist. You're not saying, I'm asking for help. You're saying, or I am conforming to you, and I am asking for help. You're not saying, Iyaka a'bud wa Iyaka astain. You're saying, Iyaka na'bud wa Iyaka nasta'in. So, in your mind, when you're speaking about a plurality, you're speaking about a large number of people, who are they? Have you ever asked yourself that? Are Muslims excluded when you say, Iyaka na'bud wa Iyaka nasta'in? Are Muslims excluded from this? Jama'ah, from this plural construct of the word. Be conscious of that. Or, when you are saying, Iyaka na'bud wa Iyaka nasta'in, you're speaking about a particular party of people, a particular denomination of Muslims, a particular national group of Muslims just think of what you say and I don't know how many times in your life you've been saying have you ever given thought that this means all Muslims who are conforming to Allah and who are asking from Allah they're not going around to superpowers and asking them for help. They're not going to the sources of money and finances and asking for help. So in the ayah, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, istainu. Okay, we are asking for help, but how do we do that? 
What is the character of asking for Allah's help? Istainu bis-sabr. When you orient yourself towards Allah, you do so with perseverance, with patience. Istainu bis-sabr. It should be mentioned here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects us because there are other ayat in the Quran you can visit that mention the word sabr. Sabr is when we tax our nerves on our way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are patient and that patience weighs down heavily on ourselves. There are other times when we also have to be tolerant. And that type of tolerance is called hilm. And these are two descriptions of Allah subhanahu. Sabur and Halim. And we are expect, and it, it, the difference between them is Sabr taxes your physical existence. Something hard to put up with demands your Sabr. You can, you can think about this in your personal life you can think about this in your larger social identity Hilm is where you put up with something but you do it out of forbearance and the best way to explain Hilm to distinguish it from Sabr the best way to do that is if you do something wrong, let's say you're a student and you do something wrong and you are penalized for that, you are told you have to write 50 pages of the lesson that you did not learn. So with patience, you take a pen and a paper and you begin writing 50 pages. It's demanding something from you. It's, it's a demand that weighs down on you. But Hilm is something like a child does something wrong. And you accommodate his mistake. You do so not from a vintage point of weakness, you do so from a vintage point of forbearance. A child doesn't tax, a baby doesn't tax your nerves, even though the baby may have broken the dishes. So you contain that. Containing that is hilm. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا 
استعينوا بالصبر والصلاة Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is educating us how to approach him when we ask him for help. We need the character of sabr and we need the character of communicating with Allah subhanahu An attachment to Allah subhanahu There's another ayah earlier on in Surah Al-Baqarah. This ayah specifically speaks to the condition of Bani Israel وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ الصبر and الصلاه is something demanding كَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ except for those who have an emotional attachment with Allah when you don't have an emotional attachment with Allah, you fray your nerves. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu istaeenu bis-sabri was-salah. Inna Allah ma'as-sabirin. For verily Allah is with those who are sabirun who are patient persevere and they persevere because there's an objective they're not neutral in life they're not passive they're not indifferent they're not withdrawn this ayah speaks to Muslims who are involved Muslims who sacrifice Muslims who struggle that's when they need help Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu istaeenu bis sabri was salah inna allaha ma'as sabirin now notice here Allah mentions as-sabr and as-salah istainu bis-sabri was-salah but he ends the ayah he didn't say inna allaha ma'al musalleen he said inna allaha ma'as-sabirin because as-sabr is inclusive of as-salah and as-sabr is a continuation a salah is a timely performance you pray a salah in the morning at noon in different times of the day that's your salah but a sabr is not something that you display at a certain time it's a permanent feature inna allaha now, if we take this ayah, if we take this one ayah, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, and we said, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, we're talking about a critical mass. How do we have a critical mass? The central issue of having a critical mass is to have a leader. 
You cannot have a critical mass if you don't have a leader. If you don't have a leader, then everyone is in their own corner in life. Everyone is to themselves. Everyone is on their own. That's not, that doesn't amount to a critical mass. So, in order for us to understand, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, we have to understand that alladheena amanu become a critical mass when they have an ultimate decision maker. And we part here from these meanings and these instructions in the Qur'an. We part here in, and we come to real life. In the first instance, when we speak about الَّذِينَ amanu, we speak about critical mass. Where do we find this? Look around. The world is an open book. Where does this apply? And if we are honest with ourselves and we are transparent and we're not cowards, we can, as a matter of fact, we can point to the last 39 years in Islamic Iran. Now when we when we point our finger in that direction, we're not saying this is an ideal state of affairs. We're not, no one is saying that. What we are saying is this is the first time in contemporary times that we've had critical mass. Now we can look and see there is that sense of الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They gave the word الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا a definition because they have a leader. Now some would ask, who are you speaking about when you say they? And that's a very good question. Who are these, who are they who have a leader? We've seen throughout these 39 years, not everyone in Islamic Iran, not everyone is included in this critical mass. Not everyone belongs to Alladina Amanu. So if not everyone belongs to Alladina Amanu, then we're going to have to begin to look closely and identify for ourselves who are these who are not part of this critical mass and do not acknowledge a unifying leader. Who are they? And here, obviously we can't go into the details, but at least you can begin to work your mind and sort out those who belong to Alladina Amanu and those who develop a religious argument against it, 
and those who develop a secular argument against it, and those who develop a nationalist argument against it, and those who develop a class argument against it, and you can throw in those who develop their gender argument against it, and those who develop their sectarian argument against it, and those who develop their maybe ethnic argument against it, and all of these. Those who belong to these types of arguments are not included in Alladina Amanu. They're Muslims. But Allah here is not speaking to the raw material Muslim. Allah is speaking to the developed الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Now, why, does it, why is it so annoying to some people inside and outside of that geography? Why is it annoying that Muslims have a leader? They can't take it. It's like a knife turning inside their stomachs. When Muslims in one place in the whole world have successfully identified a leader, whether it was Imam al-Khumayni or Imam al-Khamenei or the coming one, why does it bother people so much that there is a core of committed Muslims that are responsible under his leadership. Because in other places, we don't have that. And Muslims have had 39 years to learn this lesson. Why can't Muslims in other places, why can't they have a critical mass of committed Muslims and a leadership to that critical mass of committed Muslims. There's a question here that some people, if they use their minds, are going to have to come to grips with. Why has this been possible against all odds? Everyone has come at this leadership and this critical mass of committed Muslims from every direction you can think of. From those who plot and plan in Tel Aviv and Washington and Riyadh to those who have their own schemes inside Islamic institutions and even inside some houses. All of these and everything in between and the Islamic critical mass and the Islamic leadership survived and survives. What more? What more do Muslims want how much more demonstration of the validity 
and the merit and the value of this leadership and its critical mass how much more should be demonstrated for the Muslims to begin to wake up and during this time we can go back in our minds I, I think many of us we have enough memory left we can go back 39 years and in those back then in 19 on the Gregorian calendar in 1979 this month and the months after that there was a euphoria among Muslims of course it's more emotionalism than it is it's more in the feelings than it is in the mind if what we had that euphoria 39 years ago if it was in the mind and in the heart together we still would have had approximately the same numbers of people around not to make this an occasion this become the success of the Islamic revolution in Iran has become an occasion oh let's celebrate it this weekend and there's a program here and there's a program there and all of this that's how we wind up after 39 years among some of those even those who count themselves ardent supporters of the Islamic of Islamic self-determination even among them oh ask them to just sacrifice a little put in a little effort you can review the past several years since what was called the Arab Spring review what has happened in Iraq in Syria and in Lebanon who is the backbone of the groundbreaking progress in these three localities Iraq Syria and Lebanon who are they I don't want to answer this for you I hope and I think you have enough information to know who these individuals are who have sustained this effort because this what happened in Syria and Iraq was not because of Syria and Iraq the military bases the foreign troops the warfare this creation of a monster called Daesh and Isis and all of this all of this was meant to undo the critical mass of committed Muslims in Islamic Iran and its leadership those were the targets and all of this combined effort in Iraq in Syria and Lebanon by 
intelligence agencies and militaries and internal enemies and all of the warfare capabilities that they have all of this has come to naught because of who and we come back and we say because of the critical mass of committed Muslims and they were not only from Iran and the leadership which is only in Iran if you can't see that as a fact to which others now are reacting all of this Saudi baloney all around the place they're bankrupt all of that they are reacting to those who are breaking new grounds in Iraq, in Syria, and in Lebanon. During the time of Allah's Prophet, after a struggle and sacrifices of over 20 years, one of the enemies of Allah's Prophet up until that time, later on he became a Muslim, he says to the uncle of the Prophet, Al-Abbas, when he looks at the committed the, the force of the committed Muslims now they are forced to be reckoned with they've made success they've scored successes in all of these encounters with their adversaries he says to him this affair, he's, he's referring to Islam and Iman and the Qur'an and the Prophet. He's referring to them. He's saying to Al-Abbas, This issue now is the wave of the future. And if we could transparently and faithfully look at our time period and look at that time period we could repeat those same words now in and but right now the medina of today is iran and we can say this is the wave of the future there's nothing anyone can do about it now. Just like that enemy of 20 odd years came to his senses. I don't want to use his name because it causes this Sunni Shia thing to kick in. But that's the fact of history. The person was an enemy of Allah's Prophet for around 20 years. And then in the last year or two he became a Muslim because there's nothing you can do about this. Islam right now is... A force to be reckoned with it's no longer these few Muslims who are refugees who are homeless who had to go to Al-Habasha or had to go to a Ta'if or had to go to other places because they no longer have a place of their own no no it's a different thing right now there's another comment 
that was made by those who were enemies of the Prophet for so long he says this person who's making this comment also realizing he came to term with real life Islam now is is on the roll he said لَقَدْ أَصْبَحَ مُلْكُ إِبْنِ أَخِيكَ الْيَوْمَ عَظِيمًا telling Al-Abbas now now is after those 20 years of إِسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ he says to him now the domain or the dominion of your nephew meaning the Prophet has become tremendous This is what's gelling in front of our own eyes. But we have hangers-on. People who, you know, their nationality is Iranian. Or their language is Farsi. Or these other things. And we have some of them say, yeah, what do we have to do with Arabs? It's true. The Arabians can get on your nerves. The Arabians can hurt, but they only hurt if you're void of sabr. Istainu bis ya yuhaladina amanu istainu bis sabri was salah inna allaha maas sabirin. Akulu kaulihada wa astagfiru allaha li wa lakum uduhu subhana wa entum ala yakinim bil ijaba. الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters what we are seeing today, unfortunately, people who go to the status quo masajid or the occupied masajid or the confiscated masajid, issues such as the ones I'm going to mention in the coming several minutes are not mentioned. They're not spoken from the minbar. What they mean to do is to keep the Muslims ignorant and thoughtless. The last thing they want Muslims to do is to activate their minds. That's the last thing. Please don't do do anything, but just don't think of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. Their type of Islam is if they hear ayat from the Qur'an, they are listening to the person who is reciting the ayat. They are not listening to Allah subhanahu. Those words are Allah's words. When you listen to ayat in the Qur'an, it is Allah speaking. 
And these people don't want to listen to Allah speaking in real time. That's a problem we have. But we don't have an issue. We can deal we can speak about these off limits issues to the Saudi crowd. What's been bouncing back and forth in the news is did the Saudi government give permission to Israeli flights over the kingdom to and from India? And the same way about Indian airlines, to give them permission to fly over its airspace to and from Israel. Of course, officially, the Saudi government denies it. But just speaking about it, bringing it up as an issue with all of the rest that is happening, if it didn't happen yesterday, it's going to happen tomorrow. It's not far off if it actually did not happen. The reactions that are taking place in the royal rulers of Arabia, in their family, now they are threatening. We know what they did with the prime minister of Lebanon a few months ago. Now they're threatening him because he's showing some inclinations away from them and towards Turkey. If they believe in Islamic brotherhood and Islamic togetherness, why are they so upset that a prime minister shows an affinity with Turks? It goes to show you how true they are to their words of Islamic solidarity. There's been an issue inside that decrepit kingdom, an issue of whether the shops should be closed at the time of Salah. And as far as the government is concerned, it's been taking the position recently that no one should be forced to close their shops during the time of Salah. But there, they have a committee there called Hayat al-Amri bil-Ma'roof wa nahi an al-Munkar that is arguing, no, that should not be the case. One of the virtues of the King Abdul Aziz, the founder of that kingdom was that he had people, when Salah time came, everyone went to a Salah, which meant the shops should be closed. So this has become an internal issue among themselves and it will remain an internal divisive issue among themselves as long as they don't permit the God-given faculty of thinking to take its course according to the book of Allah and the teachings of the Prophet. And we know about the uh, polarization between Qatar and Saudi Arabia. In Kuwait, one of the individuals got on social media and criticized the Saudis for their position and he was given 31 years in prison because they said, the Saudi royals said that he attacked with his words Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. The Saudis are very disturbed 
that there's a committee in Malaysia now that has taken upon itself to monitor Al-Haramayn Al-Sharifayn in Mecca and in Al-Madina. And they're upset. Why is there a committee in the world that is monitoring what they are doing? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with Muslims taking a closer look at number one, why does this ruling class, this family class in the Arabian Peninsula, when it's upset with one country, it could be Yemen, it could be Syria, it could be another country, and it tells the Muslims in that country, you cannot come to Hajj. Is it wrong for us to tell the Saudis they are wrong in saying and doing that? Why do they on occasion, why do they have some Muslims denied entry into the country after they landed in their airport? Some of them are very committed and very devout Muslims. They send them back home. Who are they to tell Muslims you can come or you cannot come to the house of Allah in Mecca or to the burial site of the Prophet of Allah in Al-Madinah? Who are they? They're not above Allah. They are not above the Quran. They are not above the Sunnah. Besides, they have a list of individuals, Muslims in this world, that cannot go to Hajj, come what may. Who told them that they can bar Muslims from going to Hajj or to Umrah? Where did that come from? And why are they acting on their own without any shura? Shura is an Islamic principle. And they're building these gigantic structures around the Kaaba. Who told them they can do that? To miniaturize the Kaaba. There are countries and governments in this world that preserve their historical, their ancient historical sites. UNESCO is responsible for some of that. But when it comes to uh, uh, we the Muslims, why should we give license to those who are virtually diminishing the importance of our historical past. We can't be proud of our prophet. Our prophet, they have PhD theses now, trying to explain why the prophet's grave should be moved from al-Masjid al-Nabawi, because they say that is shirk. They also have ideas about al-Hajar al-Aswad and the Kaaba, because According to them, obviously it's not true, but they say it fosters shirk among some Muslims. Why do they do all of that and we are supposed to look the other way and make believe none of that is happening? That's what they want us to do. These types of masajid and these types of manabir, they don't want Muslims to open their minds and begin to see the facts on the ground through the lens of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They don't want that to happen. 
Just take a few numbers. Now I said in the previous khutbah that the Muslims have a success story. If the rest of the Muslims could act like big brother between quotes and see that Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have given some Muslims in this world something to be in a humble way proud of. It seems like everyone is working against the Muslims in the Arab-speaking countries coming together. That's a common feature among all the ruling classes in those countries that are coached by the Israelis and the imperialists and the Zionists. These are other these are also two words that are not permitted in the masjid or from the minbar. Why? They're killing us. We can't use the words of those who are through wars physically killing us and through misinformation mentally killing us. We can't even say their names. If these, just this one mass of people, we're talking about Muslims in Arabic-speaking countries, if they were to come together, they would have a combined revenue every year of five trillion and one billion dollars that would rank them number four after the US China and the European Union obviously who does who does not want that to happen ask yourself don't have me baby feed you with the spoon as to who does not want this to happen if the countries the area of that of those countries in southwest asia and north africa were combined they'd be the second largest mass area mass in the world after russia if their armed forces were combined they'd have four million people individuals under arms 9,000 warplanes 4,000 helicopters 19,000 tanks and 51,000 jeeps and half tracks and other military vehicles if all of that mass was to come together who would be shaking and having diarrhea who why can't we speak about these issues it's halal for everyone else to look at them, but we the Muslims, we have to come blindly to the masjid and leave blindly from the masjid. And we can speak about uh, if the desert in Libya, just the desert, in Libya alone, 80% of Libya was to be, was you were to have solar panels on it. It could provide electricity to planet earth that's the potential that no one wants to see materialize 
And so they have you close your mind, shut down your faculty of thinking, and where of all places in the Masajid. I think after 39 years we should have grown up and began to see the world at least. Allahumma adini al-waqi'a kamahu. Oh Allah, I ask you to show me reality as it is. اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا إننا سمعنا مناديا ينادي للإيمان أن آمنوا بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر شهد أن لا إله إلا الله شهد أن محمد رسول الله أيها الصلاة أيها الفلا قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الله أكبر